Welcome back, everybody, to the All Access USL podcast. We are here with Noah once again. Yep. Uh, good. Uh, good Monday evening to be doing this. Yes, it is. This is one of the only times this year we will probably see all games on a Saturday, and it was a very uh, crazy Saturday indeed. We'll just run through the results because. Like I said, every game happened this Saturday, and then we'll jump into the games in focus. So let's see what we had going on this weekend. We had, of course, Louisville 3, Miami FC 1. Big stuff there for Louisville to get the win there. Mm. Pittsburgh 2, Birmingham Legion 1. Uh, incredible game. We can talk about these a little bit. Um, Albert Albert Dequa is just on an absolute tear right now. I mean, he's just... Uh, yeah, there's really no words to say because he's just like that good. He's been that guy. Uh, and yeah, he's really he's really taken over that role that Russell Cicerone had last year, that goal scoring role. And uh, that's that's why Pittsburgh's winning games. He has. And I think Birmingham came in at the wrong time to be playing against Pittsburgh because Birmingham have not been good these past three or four games. And Pittsburgh um, coming off of obviously we'll talk about this later, their U.S. Open Cup win had some swagger to them, and they pull it out in this game. Um, Tampa Bay 5, Detroit City 1. This, I feel, went about as expected. Detroit City do get a goal. They've scored 5 this year. That is certainly something to celebrate. Conceding 5 in one game, however, is not <laughs> ideal, though. Right. Uh, whatever concerns we had about their goal scoring, uh, now we have concerns about the defense, of course. Yes. And also, when... You know, your past two goals have really come from, you know, good strikes, albeit. But other than that, that's it. Then it's not very sustainable because you're not going to have all these wonder goals in one game. So, yeah, very Detroit-esque. Yeah, if you if you need Abdullah Diop to continually pull out something special every game, that's, that's not a good game plan because you can only have something special so many times um new mexico united to monterey bay one it feels like new mexico are back at least somewhat we've seen them grow into this season after that rgv game and i think now they have a lot to be um excited about for sure they've played a lot better I mean, not you know, I wasn't able to watch the game because I was busy that weekend, very busy that weekend. But um, of course, a red card in the fifty fifty fifth minute or something like that. So uh, you know, we should be taking advantage of that and not conceding up a man. Um, yeah. And in in that case, we really should have at least gotten a point out of this. I think, uh, especially when we have like. I think it was nine shots on goal or something like that, but only three were on target. So, and the only goal, of course, was a deflected goal uh, for for Adrian. So, props to him. Good to see the local guy get another one. Uh, that's six total professional goals for him now, which is really awesome. But overall, uh, we're we're definitely missing guys like Sam. Yep. Uh, Sam is a big, big part of that attack, and he was a big part of that defense. But hopefully, uh, them resting and gearing up for Charleston next week uh, will pay off and they'll be available. Charleston will be a big game, especially after 
the result we saw this weekend for them, which is a game in focus. I'm sure you guys will be able to believe. Um, El Paso won Loudoun United nil. This this is El Paso's fifth win in a row, and Loudoun United are slowly starting to slip away from the playoffs. This feels, again, just like the Tampa Bay-Detroit game. This felt like the standard result. El Paso are on fire, and it seems every week now that we keep going where we see them win, we're getting a little bit closer to either they are legit or is the crash coming. Right, and it, it's the same thing that happened last season. They started off really well, and then just by, like, week eight, they were, you know, not not the same team. And I think also as well the run they had in the Open Cup maybe had a part to do with that. So maybe they regain yeah. a bit of form. And I still think they'll be competitive. They'll still be there, but just do they have enough, especially with how young their players are uh, and the inexperience they have. But they're still a good team. They're not to be counted out. They are a good team. And I think they kind of got caught out a little bit because they had a great, they had a, not a great, they had a pretty good or pretty hard opening schedule. Like they started off against Sacramento. And obviously you don't know how good teams are going to be with how much turnover is turnover there is in this league. You can always have your guesses. Like you can always say Louisville will be good. Tampa will be good. All these teams we think will be good because they're always good. And El Paso have been pretty off and on these past couple of seasons. Same with Sacramento. They've been here and there. You don't really know. And to play like they did against Sacramento, only lose 1-0 at home, and now be here, it makes a lot of sense. So I think we yeah. were a bit harsh on El Paso to start the season when it was like, oh, you know, they're losing at home against Sacramento who weren't. They did have that open cup run. They did make the playoffs, but, you know, they're not world-beating. This year they are world-beating, and it looks like a pretty good result. In the long run. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, uh, you know, we'll talk about it later, obviously, but Sacramento crashing out of the cup, um, you know, that that goes to show maybe they're not the same team. They didn't have the same mantras last year because some key pieces from that team last year did leave. Uh, but overall, it's, you know, they bring in guys like Ciceroni and, and all those guys. And the defense stays relatively the same with Vidiello at the back. Uh they're, they're just a really good team. There's no other way of putting it. They are a good team. Um, San Diego 2, RGV 3. Maybe the most, the second most surprising result of this weekend. You don't really see this often, although it does kind of follow the narrative that we saw last year where it was particularly the switchbacks in San Diego who, it was when they were going back and forth as well. I remember they were just like sometime last summer in like July. They just for some reason, switched off and were getting either destroyed at home or just getting caught out. Like, they're good teams. They're going to be up and around that third and fourth spot, likely. But they just have this off game. And obviously, good teams do have off games, but this just doesn't feel like one that you would have against RGV, who have been okay, but not obviously great this year. Yeah, and I think the... Just like the thing of note is that RGV scored three goals. Yeah. RGV just rarely ever scores more than two goals, even two goals at the most. Like they are not a goal scoring team because they really don't have uh, a num- a true number nine. They don't really have a true goal scorer or anything like that. So for them to put three pass against a San Diego team who I put, who I rate very highly. Yeah. 
one of one of the better goalkeepers I think in the league in Vegas. Uh, yeah, that's that's very. If you're San Diego, uh, obviously we can't tell anything right now because later on in the season teams will probably be in better form. But for San Diego to lose this game is a bit concerning. It is. And I think going back to your point of RGV not having like a true number nine, I agree with you. I think they score as like a unit. Like we saw Cristiano Francois, it was Ricky Ruiz and Robert Coronado who get the goals here. And it just comes from everyone. There's no like true forward that they aim for all the time who's going to get that 15 20 goals it's going to come as a group as a unit and i think that's why rgv have been very good in the past couple seasons is because they haven't had to rely on someone who if they get injured it's all over and i mean they Mm -hmm. have this they've had this pretty good youth setup bringing in these players and i think well it's not working to start this season it has worked at least in some part the past couple years because they've made the playoffs they've squeaked in all the time and it feels like we're going to get there at the end of the season as well, where they just squeak into the playoffs with results like this. Yeah, exactly. They they just, you know, they're kind of like Oakland, too, in a way. They just, they they find a way to get it done, you know. They are Oakland. They are the Texas Oakland. Um, yeah. Las Vegas won. FC Tulsa won. This is another draw for Las Vegas in that column after two wins at home. I had said that maybe we start to see a new Las Vegas team now that they are at home. It is the same Las Vegas team that is still the only team without a win this year. I don't I obviously they're going to get a win this year. It'd be pretty impressive if they didn't. Um but it's just who is it going to come against right now? Right. Uh I sure don't hope it's us. We play them in about a month. Uh but obviously I do think they'll get one before then. But I think a lot of teams look forward to playing the lights because it's the lights, you know, like they're sure they draw a lot of games. But at the end of the day, you know that since you're a relatively good team, uh, you really have a good chance of getting three points out of that match. Um, and sure, they they sit deep in, in, in a block and they don't they try not to allow much. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, when when you're only scoring a penalty, you're you're not you're not looking all that dangerous. Uh, and we, when you have a guy like Patello Faz and guys like Kubo Torres, uh, you got to be getting them service in the box. You gotta you gotta try and play through them. Uh, and so it's it's yeah it's tough for them right now scoring goals wise and also sometimes even at the back. Yeah, and Kubo Torres has been coming off of the bench recently. So I'm just I'm I'm almost wondering if like they don't see him as the same player that he used to be cuz he used to be good when he was playing down in Mexico obviously and he's still a great player now, but clearly something's different if he's starting on the bench for Las Vegas and they just don't see that goal scoring ability in him. And then also like Las Vegas feel very San Antonio-esque in that they try not they just don't they try to play San Antonio's way but they just do not do it with any sort of effectiveness at all. It's pretty – they have a lot of good creators up top and a lot of good goal scorers with Kubo Torres, like we said, who's just not playing, and Patelo Faz, who has proven he can score, but it's just not working. And Isidro Martinez, I praised him for the draws at the beginning of the year to not lose, I believe, in like the first four to five games away from home. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. Constant road games. But now that they're at home, 
They've had three home games in the past four, I believe, and they haven't won a single one of them. That Now it's concerning. So mm. something has to change or else it's going to be a long year uh, for the Lights. And our last game before we head into our games in focus, Phoenix 3, Hartford 1, a very good game. This is, to me, the defining game so far of these team seasons. If Hartford wanted to be somewhat legit, they needed a result here. Even a draw would have been okay. It had to have been a convincing draw, at least, and they didn't get it. Phoenix get the win. It feels like Phoenix are now something that could be considered playoff-worthy. Hartford, they've still only won one time this year. I don't see it. Yeah, uh, Phoenix slowly but surely pulling themselves together. Um, not, of course, they won't be the team that they were like uh, two, two or three years ago. But they, of course, they play a bit more defensively now under Juan Guerra because that's Juan Guerra's style. Yeah, that's what he plays. But, but also at the same time, they, they have guys like Danny Trejo and Manuel Artiaga. And Carlos, I really, I love how Carlos Harvey is playing. I think he's been absolutely phenomenal. He is special. Uh, coming, out, coming over from the LA Galaxy too. So those guys have been just like, you know, really awesome, great additions. The question still lies, I think, in the back and maybe a little bit in the midfield, but they are figuring it out and they're doing a really, really admirable, admirable job this past month or so. They have been great. Um. Talking of Carlos Harvey, I like I think his main the main thing of him coming over is LA Galaxy 2 leaving USL. Because I if you go to MLS Next Pro, I don't really believe the standard there is as high as the championship. And I think he comes to Phoenix because he is better than MLS Next Pro. And there's one player who I really wish would have come to a championship team. He ended up on the LA Galaxy first team. It's Preston Judd. He was right. special. I really thought um, in the offseason he would make the move, but honestly, MLS fits him. I really think that was the right move because he's been very good for them. So, little 2022 LA Galaxy to there for you. Um, let's move into our games in focus. We'll start off with... Um, the big one. We'll start off with the big one. Let's start off with Charleston Nil, San Antonio 7. Our biggest result of the year so far. What do yeah. you think here? Well, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, since I didn't have time this weekend, I didn't watch the game. But I did watch the highlights, like, uh, about five minutes before we got on. In I mean, it, yeah, this is hard to put into words. You just, I think I can't, I think I come to expect a lot more of Charleston, especially at the back. Uh, they just, but you know, San Antonio's, uh, other than them sending the block, they can score goals. Um, Alan Marcina, look like he, his, his, his tactics are really just clean and, and the players he has fit so well. Uh, a, a Denneran coming back yes, and just, that's a big, and help. then of course, of course, the big storyline, Olesawe, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, with a hat trick. Of course, he had the game winner against the Lights last weekend, I believe. Um, not not this weekend, but the past weekend before this weekend. 
but he has been in an absolute tear recently. And yeah, it's just, it was a two, like two free header goals and then just a complete utter breakdown, just getting dispossessed in the midfield. And it, it just all leads to goals. And these are mistakes you cannot make against the San Antonio team because they're going to make you pay. And they a hundred percent did, uh, especially on, I think it was the sixth goal where the midfielder got dispossessed and they just played it ahead yep, and it's a yep. two one they're in behind and it's just a really easy finish for Oluwase. So they just, yeah, I mean, they tore them to shreds. There's no other way of putting it. It was very uncharacteristic for both teams in a way, because we know San Antonio can play well, but we've never seen them this clinical. And you just, under Ben Perman, you don't see a defensive disaster like this. I mean, watching this game towards the end after the fourth goal, it was Charleston just almost playing passively. Just trying to find like unbelievably difficult passes or just making the weirdest mistakes. And then the defense is completely flat-footed. I mean, Ignacio Bailone had pretty much two gimmies at the end there that the Charleston defense was just like almost watching. And that's where you really separate a contender to someone who just wants to be in the playoffs because they had a bad season last year. San Antonio want to win again. And if they keep pulling off results like this, they are absolutely going to win again. I don't think they would have had, I don't think, and you might agree with me, I don't think they pull off this kind of result against any other um, Eastern Conference playoff team right now. I really don't. I think Louisville would have had the best chance here to put something up, but San Antonio on this day were too good. They would have beaten anybody. Um, yeah, that's kind of the point I'm bringing up here. They would have beaten anybody, but Charleston after this game, to me, it just feels like a team that just wants to make the playoffs and doesn't have hopes for the title. I, I'm just plain and simple here. Yeah, and while teams have off days, because, you know, it happens. Yeah. To have an off day of this bad of just like that sheer uh, amount per se, it's just it's it's just really unheard of. It's just like, uh, sure, you're playing the defending champs, but wouldn't that also motivate you at the same time, right? You're playing the defending champs. You probably want to play well. You probably want to put on a show of some kind, and instead they just, yeah, they completely faltered and. It yeah, it's still hard to put into words because you just you just don't see this every day. Simple yeah, you, as that. you don't see this every day. And one last thing here, I think that they let the Charleston fans down even more because the last game they played at home, if I'm remembering correctly, was rained out. There was like almost nobody in attendance. Then they go to their U.S. Open Cup game. They lose there. They put in a very spirited display against Miami. They come home. It's USL champions. Surely they will put on, they will at least do their best. And after that third goal, there was no best. It was just players on a field watching. So yep. as much as I think, as much as, as Charleston have improved this year, this is disheartening. They surely will make the playoffs. They're still on top of the East. So, and about 11 to 12 games in, that's still a good sign. 
Um, but it's going to be a rough um, run in the playoffs if since I think they'll make it if they continue like this, if they just don't show heart like this when it really comes down to these big games. So I'm worried for them. Yeah, because also you look at it, there are teams like uh, Louisville that's standing your way, and they made it to the final last year. And while they didn't play all that well in the final, uh, they they still managed to score a goal and all of that stuff. So you are going to have to go through a Louisville team potentially, and even a Tampa Bay team who seem to be relatively figuring it out for the most part. And any other team I'm forgetting that's at least top four. Yeah. You're going to have to go through them. So this could be indicative. It could be not at the same time because maybe they, maybe Charleston comes back the next week and gets a clean sheet and puts five on the board. So you, you really never know, but this was not a good, uh, a good showing and they need to do better next weekend. I don't really think you'd be too happy for Charleston if they put five past you. I won't lie. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, well, yeah, I forgot. Well, the weekend after that, how about that? Let's say. Yeah, maybe Charleston can put it together after next weekend. Yes. Um, we'll move on. I This is the big one from this weekend. It's plain and simple. This is not something I expected. And I don't think it's going to happen. I don't, San Antonio clearly are capable of it by doing it, but I don't think we'll see that again from San Antonio. It's a lot easier to put in that bad of a defensive performance than to put on that good of an attacking performance. So hopefully we don't see it from Charleston again, but if they're capable of doing it once, they're absolutely capable of doing it again. So we'll just have to see how it goes. Let's move to Memphis, Colorado Springs. Memphis have been putting it together recently. And this is a statement win. This is clear intent for how much I have drag Steven Glass and this team through the mud for how bad their opening uh, couple of games were. Things are clicking. And they're now up into the playoff spots in the East. The switchbacks, I don't think, should be too worried here. But what Mm -hmm. do you think? What do you think is the overarching thing to take here? Well, I think the overarching thing to take is that other guys are scoring goals. It's not just Philip Goodrum. Uh, and the defense, albeit it hasn't been perfect, but let's let's be fair, uh, has been sort of figuring it out, which is super important. If you can only concede one like you did here, you're getting yourself a relatively good shot at winning the match. And Luis Fernanda, Fernando uh, just, you know, doing his thing, of course. So... It's uh, it's it's big time that they're starting to put it together. Uh, and if Philip Goodrum starts to come into form like he did last year, I mean, teams better watch out because it's going to be very, very scary hours for their opponents. It could be a Memphis team capable of doing more than what they did last year. Maybe not as high on the table, but maybe going farther in the playoffs. Maybe farther than just the second round. I know that's a bit um wishful thinking right now with how they have played and how they are playing now i know there's a big difference because they're playing a lot better but you know there's always the possibility of regressing and i well i don't think they will to an extent they're gonna have bad games this year um 
And to Philip Goodrum, he's still only scored the one goal this year, and that was against Atlanta United in the Open Cup. So if he gets firing to any extent, this team will be better. And I still do wonder if that thought of where he could be right now, whether it be in Europe, whether it be in MLS, is still with him, and that is kind of aiding into why he hasn't been as good this year. Or maybe it's just the tactical change and it doesn't fit him. That could be it too. Right. I mean, it it could be a multitude of things. Um, It could be a combination of those things too. Uh, Just an an accumulation uh, because he has, he has the goals in him. We just, we just know that. And obviously it's a very different system from pyramid to glass. And so for him to not score the goals, I think it's, mainly on that on that side of the system but also the the thing with uh not allowing him to go overseas it may have been messing with his head or something like that maybe it told him you know maybe it's some maybe it's like the team almost told him well we don't think you're good enough so we're going to keep you you know uh that may be getting in his head as well so it just may be a lot of things uh, at this point, it could be. I I think more so when you're selling a play. I just don't think the fee was enough. Like I think Memphis were thinking of this exorbitant amount of money that they really wanted. Like I'm sure they were thinking, oh, you know, he puts up 20 goals. We want high six figures. And this overseas team is like, no. He's it's mm-hmm. a USL championship, and while you know 20 goals is valuable. We can only take so much and we can only pay you so yeah. much. So I think it was all- like Memphis, like Memphis did not want to let him go. So I think they just saw him as too valuable and their fee was not matched. Yeah. And I think there's also a certain level of competition, of course, uh, that, that may have played a, a role or a factor as well. But yeah, it's uh, definitely unfortunate he didn't get to go where he wanted to go. It is. I would have loved to see him there. And Memphis get this win with Bruno Lapa being sent off in the 31st minute. Down to 10 men without an attacking player, and they still get it done. Props to them. They've done well these past couple weeks. And they've done well with Bill Hamid coming in to the team. So, I mean, maybe he is a boost some way, having some leadership in the back. Um, and being older than probably a majority of this team. And Akeem Ward in defense has been fantastic as well. Coming over from Oakland. He's He's been been great. Great, great addition. And I think Rashawn Daly not playing defense has also helped them a lot. That'll do it. Steven Glass finally found out that Rashawn Daly is not a right back. (laughs) I know that is a, just an incredible thing to come to. Rashawn Daly does not play defense. Who would have thought? Um, Sacramento Indy. Russell Cicerone hat trick. Sacramento do concede here, but that's kind of out of the question. I believe that is now only the fifth goal they've conceded this year. Mm. It is another top class performance from the top team in this league. Yeah, there's just like they just keep on rolling. Like it's just, it really is insane. Um, the way they're the way they're playing, the way they're finishing, particularly Cicerone, who has been, I think I think he scored in the Open Cup. 
I'm not correct. So he just, he's an incredible form right now. It's just, there's no other way of putting it. Uh, and I believe that the goal they gave up was off a set piece, if I'm not correct. So I believe that's another goal they've given off a set piece. So they look a little vulnerable in that aspect. But then again, they just look so solid in the run and play that it's just like, how do you break this team down? Yeah, There's, there's just... All, all they blow up all the tactics. They, they, they blow up everything pretty much, and then they get what they want on the offensive end as well. So, it's just they're looking incredible, incredibly good right now. They are looking incredibly good, and I think a lot of what we saw in this game as well is that Indy kind of, at least for the second goal when I was watching this game, Indy handed them a lot. I mean. For the second goal, it's Russell Cicerone taking the shot. There's like four indie defenders there. And he's the first shot is deflected, comes right back to him, and he is still not marked. Indy have not been good defensively this year. They have like the past two weeks, they showed promise. But now, I mean, you go to Sacramento, you're gonna be looked to made a fool here. Um, Sacramento absolutely took it to them. And Indy yeah. Indy need to go back to the drawing board. That is for sure. And I think also Odell has been just not that great. No. Uh, just was that he has regressed in a way that I don't think we expected uh, from his time in Hartford. Because when he was in Hartford, he made some very good saves, but he also did make some mistakes there. And that's kind of carried over almost. But the saves aren't there, obviously. So, you know, not not coming out on, uh, especially in that Oakland match where he came out was hesitant. Yeah, um, both times. And, yeah, and and then on and then in this match, it's a very bad, very bad decision, very bad pass. And yeah, you, you give a guy like Cicerone that opportunity, it's going in the back 110 times out of 100. Yeah, he's that good. And looking forward um, to what Sacramento and Indy have next. Sacramento have Orange County away this coming Wednesday. Indy have the switchbacks at home. It feels like we're going to expect the same res- kind of results here. Sacramento will probably go to Orange County and dictate the game, come away with like a three-goal win, 3-0, 4-1 win. Indy are going to host. It's going to look like maybe they have hope but the switchbacks are just going to overwhelm them because they're very good at that, and they just have so much quality. And while Indy have the quality as well, it feels a bit more mismatched and kind of just jumbled up as to, like, here's good players as opposed to the switchbacks where it's clearly like, this is what we are. And I think that's also why Indy have not been great this year. It's just because Lowry has not gotten enough out of what he has at all. I mean, he's probably got one of the best, I'd say, Midfields in the league with uh Lindley, Blake, and Quinn. I mean, that's incredible, and it just does not produce. Quinn, Quinn on his on on his day is probably the best midfielder in all of Yosel. He could be a. They could play like a one man midfield to be honest, like a four one, like a four three two one or whatever, and just have him be the lone central midfielder, and he'd be great. And like have the other two midfielders be right mid left mid. He'd be fantastic in that. Just allow him to dictate the game and be defensive. He'd be great there. But 
even with that help in midfield, he is just not performing. So they have the pieces. They just need to make it work if it's possible. And I don't know if Lowry can get that out of them, unfortunately. So we'll move to our last game in focus. It's Oakland 3, Orange County 0. Another big win for Oakland here. And it comes at the expense of Orange County. Um, A lot of games have not gone Orange County's way this year. And Oakland now move up to sixth in the Western Conference. It feels like this they might be putting on for their best season as a USL club yet. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is they're really taking advantage of these opportunities against... These teams that haven't really quite pieced it together yet, or at least Orange County probably won't piece it together anytime soon. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Orange uh, Oakland is just, they're rolling. They are just absolutely rolling right now. Uh, Rito, Formella, and Morad, the goal scorers. Formella has looked very good the past three or so games. And Rito has been a very, very good uh, very, very good in the past three or so games as well. So they're just playing very well as a team, sharing the goals, sharing the ball, and yeah, they they look awesome. Yeah, Rito has really been coming into his own um, in these past couple games, and I think in terms of Orange County, it's only going to get harder from here, because if you well, I guess we could talk about how Oak- I was going to talk about how Oakland have been like in terms of the past couple of years when they have been playing well, they just couldn't capitalize on playing against the lesser teams. They would always stumble. They'd always slip up. And then we'd find them um, stumbling and trying to find any way to just squeeze into the playoffs at the end. This year, it feels like a bit different to where they could have a set playoff spot with two to three games left and not have to struggle like that. And now with what I want to say about Orange County is that it's just the same difficulties as last year that have not been addressed. Like I had honestly thought they had been. It seemed like the quality and that kind of balance between youth and experience was there. And it's clearly not. And we'll talk about it as well. I'll bring it up. Kevin Partida suspended for what he said against the San Diego Loyal in that game. If he did say it, which he seems to admit it to, it is definitely not enough games. And it seems like Orange County might add more onto that as this is just a league applied suspension. So we'll see where that goes. But obviously, we don't condone that. Obviously, Kevin Partita needs to be suspended. And that's also going to be a big loss in that Orange County midfield as they head into, as they host Sacramento now. So it's just a lot of problems for Orange County all at once. And it's just not going to get better from here, I don't think. Yeah, and I don't I don't think the uh the coaching change was going to help them at all. I think the the roster construction is not it's not ideal. No. Uh, simply put. I don't think the I don't think the management has done a very good job there. I feel also a lot of managers are made up to be scapegoats and they say, Well, we aren't getting the results we want. Let's fire the manager. And then they fire the manager and they Maybe win like the first game and then like the next five games are just like loss, loss, draw, whatever. So 
really, I think Orange County has to take a step back and look at it and really think about maybe blowing this thing up and just starting from scratch. Just yeah. like, you know, you you won in 2021. Great. You won in 2021. But trying to be 2021 is very hard when you have the roster turnover, when you have teams adjusting to your play style. So they really need to try and adapt, but they aren't adapting. And so because of that, they aren't the same team. Yeah, I think if this season continues to go like this, we're going to see likely a massive turnover at the end of this season, just a big clear out. And I think that's what they need. So absolutely with that, that is um, our games and focus done. That is all the games from this weekend done a crazy weekend. We are going to take a quick break and then we will be back with the big U.S. Open Cup games from this past week. All right, we are back from that quick little break. And unfortunately, um, during the break, Noah was having some technical difficulties, so he is not joining us for this half of the episode. But he'll be back, obviously, for the next episodes. He is a per- pretty much a permanent co-host on this show now, which is great. Love that. Uh, but we are moving in now to the um, Open Cup matches. A lot of honestly very promising performances here i was very surprised with how well put together most of the uh championship teams were that we saw here there was only one performance in particular that i think was a bit not great uh, and we'll get to that obviously but we'll start here we'll start with miami charleston this game in particular um i thought well i honestly thought a lot of teams had a lot of good opportunities to take something from this game going into the games i was very hopeful that we would see some upsets i felt like this game was a good one uh purely because even though miami had started to win a little bit here they beat columbus um i was still hopeful that charleston with how good they were doing in the league and just how put together they were tactically would be able to do something here unfortunately they weren't it's a palma own goal that gives miami the advance here and Charleston I at least do think could have put a goal on the board here there was an opportunity in the first half where Augie Williams is away it seemed like he had ever every opportunity to pass the ball or I can't remember if it was him with the ball to pass or him being passed to but they just kept dribbling and it shows the gap there because that pass needs to be made it's almost a certain goal that every player on that field has the ability or every Charleston player on that on the field at that point would have the ability to finish that off easily. It's a goal because Nick Marsman in goal is not great. And even though like he is still a top goal to goalkeeper, he hasn't been great recently, I should say. And that's an opportunity missed to at least put a goal on the board. And that would have given them the lead here because that was in the first half and Charleston just don't take that, which is unfortunate because this was a game that I really think um would have been a good it would have been a, obviously it would have been a good win for any team but i really think that charleston missed out here um uh, by not taking advantage of that so miami fall to charleston it's unfortunate it happens but 
they'll go they'll they'll do better. They'll do better. Um well maybe they won't do better, I should say. It's unfortunate. Charleston now focus on the league, and obviously after that 7-0 loss, they need to be focusing on the league. So we'll see how they do with that. Um we'll move to Loudon 1, Columbus 5. This is clearly the result where a team where the where the USL team just did not put in a good shift. Columbus put five past Loudon all in the first half. Loudon get a goal off Khalil El Medkar, uh, a PK in the 86th minute. And then Samake for Loudon gets sent off in the 10th minute. It was just a horror show first half there for Loudon. And it feels like a lot of what we've seen in the league. And now it moves into the Open Cup. We haven't seen Loudon put in this bad of a performance in the league yet, but it seems like maybe it is a possibility that we see a performance like this soon. And Loudon still have a lot of room to grow uh, in terms of being an independent team away from DC United. They don't have the foundation of DC United loan players coming in. They have to do this all on themselves. No more DC United staff. It's going to be difficult. It's already clearly been a difficult transition. But this year, I think, is already going better than planned. And they got their win against Flower City Union in the uh, first round that they entered. This was a good opportunity. This is the first professional game that they've held against an MLS team. They put a goal on the board. It was a very uninspiring first half, but they grew into that second half. And, I, I mean, like I said, this season is... Definitely going better than I think a lot of people would have expected in terms of Loudoun United. And it makes me excited for what next year holds. They surely can be better next year now being this independent side, this independent entity. And I only think it's going to get better from here. And this allows them to focus on the league, which after the loss to El Paso, um, El Paso are very good. So I think a loss there is whatever. Obviously, you want a result in every game, but you're not going to get that. So. They showed they were very good against El Paso. I think now moving into the league without the U.S. Open Cup, they will be better off. And maybe they make the playoffs, maybe they don't. But I can only say it so many times. This has been already a pretty successful year for Loudoun United in terms of new accomplishments. They've done a lot that I don't think a lot of us thought they would do. Austin beat New Mexico 2-0. This felt like the most clean and cut game from this um, Open Cup cycle, or from this Open Cup round, I should say, in terms of MLS versus um, USL Championship. Rodney Redes, Maxi Arruti, in the 24th and 36th minute, it was pretty much over in the first half. New Mexico didn't really even have much to offer this game, which is unfortunate. But now they beat Monterey Bay. It seems like in the league, they are figuring some stuff out, um, which they needed to do. They are now in ninth place. They have a game in hand on Phoenix in eighth, uh, two points behind. They have an opportunity to jump there. They are they have two games in hand on Monterey Bay in seventh. So two wins. They have, they have two wins and a draw in their last three. If they get two wins or they get a win and a draw, they're up into seventh. They're up into sixth even because they have a game in hand on Oakland. So New Mexico, despite the loss here, uh, I think are looking a lot better in terms of league um, play than they were 
um, if they were to keep going. I think it'd be a bit of a struggle if they were to keep going because these opening rounds are so stacked on top of each other. Then when we get to um, um, quarter semis and the final, it's a bit more spread out, but these opening rounds are very rough and very much congest the schedule. So I think as much as New Mexico would have liked another run here, with the start that they've had this year, this is a fine compromise, I'm sure. So, um, next up, we will talk about Sacramento, Colorado. We, me and Noah, in the last episode, um, did say that this felt like the closest to a lock. It was not a lock. Colorado, to their credit, come out. With a 4-2 win, they are now into the round of 16 of the U.S. Open Cup. Um, Herrera with a brace for Sacramento, doing all the work there. That is fantastic. Sacramento did put on a show here at home, but Colorado just overwhelmed them. Jonathan Lewis, Edwards, Sam Nicholson, Barrios, too much. And a Shane Wheat red card to just pretty much put the nail in the coffin. We're not going to see another Sacramento fairytale run like we saw last year, which is unfortunate because that was beautiful. But as with the, all the other teams, now Sacramento, like we saw with the win against Indy, have an opportunity to be fantastic in the league this year. They've already been fantastic in this league in the league this year through the first one third quarter or so of the uh, games, and now it's full focus on the league. And with the game against Orange County coming up on Wednesday, away to Orange County, I think they are primed to just be that force that we saw San Antonio and Phoenix be these last couple of seasons. And I'm not saying they are going to be, like, they're going to be the Sacramento, if you know what I mean. They're not obviously going to be try to be San Antonio or Phoenix. They want to be Sacramento, but I think they can hit those levels now that they're out of the Open Cup. And with what we've seen from them so far. We'll move to the last game. In which a. Unfortunately a. Uh, USL championship team did not prevail. The closest. We we came to a team. A championship team. Uh, getting through without actually getting through. Monterey Bay draw two all against LAFC. And lose 5-4 on penalties. Me and Noah again said that it seemed like this was a good opportunity for a cup set. Torres for LAFC in the 25th minute, and then Dawkins in the 90th minute sends it to extra time. Maldonado in the 94th minute, and then Mateus Maya in the 105th minute gets it to all. LFC win 5-4 on penalty kicks. Monterey Bay, very hard done to not go through here. But I'm going to say it again. They need to be focusing on the league. Because after last year, with how they built towards the end of the year, and how they've kind of been inconsistent this year, they need to build. And after the loss to New Mexico, they really need to focus. And they'll have a good advantage, or a good opportunity, I should say, against the Charleston team that just lost 7-0 at home to do that. Charleston will surely be more defensively aware this time around, so that they don't concede anywhere close to 7 goals. But I think Monterey Bay have an opportunity here to start to build after this loss and after the New Mexico United loss. And we'll move to LAFC a little bit. We said that they were going to rotate a lot. They did rotate a lot, and it just show, goes to show 
just how good this LAFC team really is to still get the job done, heavily rotated. Um, and they're moving on to the round of 16. We, we won't see them play a USL championship team in the round of 16, but if either of these two teams left go forward, we could. We'll move on to the only um, championship on championship affair. And this was a big surprise in terms of what we've seen so far. Uh, Birmingham down Memphis 3-0. I Clearly, me and Noah did not see this coming. Memphis had really started to put together results heading into this game, and they got the big result against the switchbacks. Birmingham were starting to look less and less like the team we saw start the year, and they just lost to Pittsburgh this past weekend as well. So it kind of fixed the narrative, but it completely flips here. Juan Agudelo, Enzo Martinez, Tyler Pasher put the sword to Memphis's throat and send them packing. Birmingham now have a great chance to move past the round of 16. They host Charlotte. Charlotte beat Orlando. So the cup holders from last year go out to uh, go out early. Birmingham have a good chance here. Charlotte by no means are a pushover, obviously an MLS opposition, but it will be a very interesting affair. Um, We'll get to that when we get to that. I don't really know what to expect from Birmingham now because clearly they're turning up in the cup um, and just not so much in the league right now. So things are very much subject to change in the next couple weeks before that game. And then I would say the big one, New England Revolution won, or nil, Pittsburgh won, thanks to a Danny Griffin goal in the 44th minute, capitalizes on a bit of mishap by the New England defense. Slots at home. And now Pittsburgh will host the Columbus Crew. So both USL sides hosting. It's going to be big. Birmingham hosting Charlotte. It's going to be huge. But I can only imagine what it would be like at Highmark. Seeing Pittsburgh host the Columbus Crew there. We've seen a Columbus-Pittsburgh affair before. Um, in 2019 when Columbus hosted Pittsburgh. Uh, it was a 1-0 win for Columbus. Maybe we'll see a reverse result here with Pittsburgh taking a 1-0 win. But Pittsburgh in general have just been so well drilled these past couple weeks. They were looking iffy to start the year, but now Albert Dequa is really coming through up top. Danny Griffin is back controlling that midfield. It just feels like Pittsburgh are really going to start to hit a role here where they are just compiling result after result after result. And Bob Lilly, we know he can build these great teams. And it seems like he's doing it once again. And what is likely his last season at uh, at Pittsburgh and maybe as a head coach. So Pittsburgh hosting Columbus Crew. Birmingham hosting Charlotte. We'll have that in a couple weeks. Excited for that. There is really nothing nothing else to talk about, honestly. No, no real news. The only real news was Kevin Partita's suspension. Um, so with that. That is going to be it for today's episode. Hoping to have some more um, guests on this week for some more special episodes. I will keep you guys updated on that. But until then, I will see you in the next episode, whenever it may be.